Hello and welcome to this Parasmith Employment Podcast. My name is Tobias Cunningham. I'm an associate in the employment team at Parasmith and I'm joined by my colleague Claire Merritt, who's a partner in the team. In today's podcast, we're going to be looking more at improving employee retention. New research has found that the majority of employers are currently concerned about employee turnover and many are looking at enhancing benefits or salaries to attract and retain key talent. Last podcast, we looked at getting your recruitment processes right in the first place. Today, we're going to look at the factors that we find affect employee retention and best practice and really how you can improve retention rates across your business. So, Claire, starting with you, what do you think are some of the fundamental basics employers need to get right in relation to employee retention nowadays? Well, I think, you know, to coin a phrase, it's communication stupid. It's that, it's that simple. Communication is the lifeblood of any organisation. And we found that in particular through the pandemic, more communication is better than less communication. So, training managers and how to communicate, thinking about everything that you do, how is this going to be communicated? How is this going to be taken? Um, is so, so vital. So, I, I think a lot of the time, one of the real basics is telling the staff what's happening, providing the reassurance they need, explaining the changes that they're going through, and training your managers how to communicate as well. That's got to be be, for me, one of the fundamentals that most of the time, the problems with employee retention is that people feel insecure because they don't know what's going on, either about their own career progression or the organisation or or something like that. So, communication has got to be key. So, Tobiatha, if that's my top, top tip, what would be your next top tip? I mean, leading on from yours, I think mine is training and development. I think the pandemic's shown us that we're, you know, business is just changing so much over time. And I think now people are aware that they want to have a career. You know, it's no longer a job for life. People are looking for the next challenge and where they're going to go. And I think one of the keys for employee retention is to make sure when employees want to do the next thing, they do it for you rather than for someone else. So I think it's looking at not just the run of the mill, you know, training every year, but looking at what opportunities there are for your employees to do different things, to learn different skills. And also, I think adjusting workloads to accommodate that. It's no good doing a you know, fantastic management training program if actually the employees are so overworked, they don't have time to focus on it. So it's that balance of ensuring your employees are doing their current job well, but you know, training them for the future and, and coming back to what you said, you know, I think that's part of your manager's role is to have that good communication with employees so you know what they want. They might be very content where they are, but if they're not, it's good to know sooner rather than later so you can look for something else that works for them and for you. I mean, what else is on your list, Claire? I think we would both have a long list between us as to the things to get right, but what would your, be your next one? I think my next one is... Although communication and training development are so important, they also are the, it's, it's the management of staff. Um, in particular, since the pandemic, a whole new raft of skills for managers have been brought in, um, in particular if you've been managing a remote team. And I think there are some key fundamentals within that um, management, which is one, make it regular, more, yeah. commu- more management, more regular communication is better than not enough. So, making sure you clarify with employees how, how they're doing, how the tasks being completed, how that communication, um, you know, how communication can uh, run in the future. 
Um, and I think if employees feel that there is regular communication and regular management, they will drive that will drive their performance. They feel that someone is interested in their performance. That's, they feel that someone is going to speak to them about their performance, that they are going to be held accountable for their performance as well. So I think that's, um, you know, it's, it's great for attention, but it's also good at driving performance. Um, and I think this comes back to your point, Tabitha, which is having that regular management conversation gets the manager to know the employee understand their thoughts, their goals, their motivations. Not everyone is going to be motivated by the same thing. So, understanding that is really, really important. And I think that regular management of performance also helps the team as a wider um, issue because often if an employee feels demotivated, maybe they're not performing, that will have a spread effect through a team. Mm -hmm. And even if you're remote working, people will feel that lethargy and will slow down. So actually tackling it and making sure it's visible that you're tackling it, obviously confidential between the employee and manager, but demonstrating that there is consistent management there will motivate the rest of the team and hopefully stop that you know, general freezing of the motivation of a whole department or a whole a team. So, those are kind of like the, the sort of maybe management things. Um, I think there's also quite a lot there to be said about managing well-being more broadly. Mm-hmm. So, managing, um, sort of encouraging employee well-being in the broadest possible sense has been shown to improve productivity and performance across a whole range of organisations. Um, employees feel that they're more valued and therefore give more in their workplace. Um, so, and I think it also helps. We talked about in our last podcast around recruitment. If an employer has a good reputation for managing well-being, that will spread through the market and be a better idea for recruitment. So, there's a wide variety of um, different sort of tools that many employers use. Many have uh, mental health support platforms or employee support systems. So, e ESS, I think, is the right acronym there. Um, uh, mental health first aiders, yeah, anything from free yoga sessions to free fruit boxes, gym membership, all of those things. So, Tabitha, what do you think are some of the key elements of well-being? I mean, for me, the one that comes back time and time again is work-life balance and and tied into that flexible working. I think you can have all the perks that you want, but if your employees are overworked and they're never going home, they're probably not going to be um, prioritising their well-being. And I think it's it's one of the key factors cited by employees for leaving a role is that that work-life balance isn't right for them anymore. And I think it can become quite a perpetual problem because you have one employee in a team that leaves and then you can't recruit for that role quickly and everyone picks up the slack and before you know it you've got a kind of rolling cycle where the employees are all overworked and it becomes harder and harder to fix that team or that area Um, and I think now that we've had the pandemic you know everyone is looking for that flexibility you know lots more people now want the remote working they want the flexibility in relation to hours Um, and the idea of that I think is to give better work-life balance and the difficult job for employers is to work out what flexibility they can give while still you know managing clients and their their expectations um but also working out you know how they ensure that employees aren't 
overworking because they can equally work at midnight if they want to. So again, I think it comes back to the managers and also the expectations. You know, are you encouraging your employees to take holidays? Are employees expected to answer emails at midnight? And you know, how are you allowing employees to prioritize their personal life? as well and that can be quite simple things can't it you often see emails now saying I mean I might be working at at midnight but I don't expect a response to my email and it can be small touches like that that actually show your ethos as a company which can be um you know quite helpful and I think tied into that flexible working is always listed as a key advantage to employees and you know the studies time and time again show if an employee gets a flexible working package that works for them they're much more likely to stay so I think it's looking to be innovative in that area you know it's not just part-time or reducing hours it's do you do a job share do you advertise roles as being open to um, part-time working and and really kind of pushing that forward as business can can definitely help your employee retention and I think there's also a point there around home working isn't there advertising Mm -hmm. roles if they can be worked from home to provide that level of flexibility um you know that that's something that I think a lot of employees do do value yeah absolutely um, and it's just becoming the norm isn't it it's uh, it used to be a nice to have and now it's becoming a, a have to have I think for employers that want to retain staff so I think you know from my point of view Another and something that I'm particularly interested in as part of my practice is is the benefits of um you know, positive promotion of mental health in the workplace. So we've been talking about well-being on lots of levels. Um, and of course, physical well-being is is important and, and vital, but um, mental well-being is really, really important. So putting those work-life balance measures in place, but also putting in place the training that's needed for those to, those individuals to support their mental health. And that should be a whole range of things. So training managers, training your staff with you know how they can recognize their own um, mental health whether it's poor or it's good or maintaining good mental health building up all those factors of resilience and you know that's that's absolutely key but then there's also putting in sort of preventative measures so things like mental health champions um, and also mental health first aiders so if someone is suffering feeling particularly poor mental health you have some steps in place to support them and then really finally having some systems around your hr management of long-term ill health um, some support from occupational health support perhaps from um, counselors etc to try and support your um, member of staff back back to well-being and it's really interesting because there have been some studies undertaken around colleagues witnessing how people are treated when they are suffering with their own physical or mental ill health if you are casting off those those employees with no contact with no support and they're off for months and months and the colleagues are covering the work so yes having issues perhaps with themselves with their own um, uh, work-life balance but equally seeing how their colleagues are treated in those circumstances it really is demotivating so if you're actually being really supportive and really positive to your staff if they are in a long-term ill health situation or any ill health situation that really really helps cement um, employee loyalty Mm. over the long term as well 
So uh, moving on from from kind of well-being, Tobitha, what do you think about um, you know the importance of recognition? So that that sort of final elusive um, <sighs> thing for employees. Yeah, I mean it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because recognition, what motivates people, is different for everyone. But I think what's a given is that there has to be something in place to recognise the efforts that employees um, put in, especially now that we are working more remotely now and and that's harder to give in person. So I think it's each organisation looking at how they ensure that their employees feel appreciated for the work that they do. And I think that's kind of on a global level for things that are, are for all staff as a thank you. And then at an individual level to recognise particular achievements or particular milestones. Um, I mean, I think a simple thank you is underrated, to be honest, because often that is all employees are looking for is that they put extra effort in. They want someone to notice and and a thank you can often be enough Um, all the way up to formal recognition systems where people can nominate colleagues or bonuses or um, awards that are given out each month. I think whatever it is, it's just got to be something that works for you and that's actually achievable as well, because the worst thing is putting in place a recognition system that that no one uses and it you know sits on a, an internet somewhere. So it's thinking about what's realistic, but making sure you're doing something, I think. Um, and obviously that ties into reward, um, Claire, which I don't know what your thoughts are in terms of that at the moment. Yeah, so I I um I think reward is obviously fundamental. Mm-hmm. I've advised many many clients that yeah oh yeah um this is uh, this is employment so it's a, a payment for services <laughs> rendered rather than slavery. So it's you know you can't you can't just simply have someone working for free um, and out of love. Although I appreciate that many of my clients where they've got volunteers potentially do have that. <laughs> um, but um, you know reward is really really important to get those packages right. Um, you need to have a competitive package and a competitive benefit scheme to both recruit staff but also retain them and of course as an employment lawyer it would be remiss of me not to mention the fact that actually they should also have some thought and parity put into all of those um, those measures because actually you have issues with equal pay or discrimination if you are not benchmarking where your staff should be and there are historic issues of course with equal pay where Female heavy areas tend to be paid less than male uh, areas, and that's something that you must keep under review at all times. So keeping those sorts of issues at bay and under review and feeling confident about them is really important from an employer's perspective. But also from an employee's perspective, they need to feel that they're being treated fairly with their colleagues, Mm -hmm. their their contemporaries, the amount of effort that they're putting into the role or the amount of reward. um, So performance or targets or, um, you know, criteria that they're achieving is fairly rewarded. Um, But caveat that with some people aren't motivated by the salary. Some people are motivated by other things. And I think that's probably leads on to Tobitha, maybe your thoughts around promotions, succession planning, you know, career development broadly in that sense. Yeah, I mean, I think the two have to go hand in hand, don't they? Because, yeah, people want to have both. They want to have a job that they enjoy and that they see themselves progressing in and a salary that they think works for them. So, yeah, I think whenever you're looking at training, you know, we mustn't forget about succession planning. And I think in lots of businesses, there's a, you know, 
quite realistic perception that you get to a certain level and then it's not clear where you go from there. And I think even if it's a longer term prospect, you know, in smaller companies, it's worthwhile understanding from employees what their career path is and where their opportunities may be. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a promotion if a promotion is not available, but it's, you know, what kind of work shadowing could someone done? How can you build them up the career ladder that they want to be in? And, you know, we see more and more people using mentoring schemes, for example, just to give that crossover within the business to identify opportunities for people to do more um you know whether that's a formal promotion or adding something onto their responsibilities and we've talked a lot about management and i think unfortunately management tends to be a you're either a manager or you're not whereas in most businesses there's an opportunity for everyone to you know dabble a bit in management to help them gain experience whether that's you know managing someone fairly junior or a new starter or, or whatever but i think it's looking more broadly now at, at where we can give people different career opportunities rather than it just being you're in this role and 10 years time you know you can be in this role it, it needs to be more planned than that so employees know where they're going and you know where they can you know most benefit the business as well I think that's so important isn't it that communication around what the employer can do to develop the individual because that again is something that the employee will value is actually completely free for you as the employer and probably helps you out um, and probably takes something off the desk of a maybe hard-pressed manager Mm. um, and builds loyalty builds you know a sense of appreciation and also a sense of personal responsibility for those employees all of which builds into retaining them long term yeah absolutely i think it, it goes back to that ongoing dialogue isn't it and actually i think where that dialogue stops you lose all of those ideas from employees as well so you're not getting the benefit of them in the business and you're you're losing the employees trust as well Okay, well, thank you for joining us for our podcast. We hope you found it useful. If you want any further information or help in relation to the issues we've been discussing, please do look at our website, which is www.parasmith.co.uk. Thank you. Thanks.